so today I want to talk to you just a little bit about performance and a little about how performance can either be the greatest thing and medium for us to communicate really deep truths about ourselves and the world, but they can also keep us from doing that in the same light, you know, and as I'm sitting here talking into a microphone with a Canon camera on a huge tripod in the middle of my living room, I'm aware that uh, even just being exposed to these tools do one of the two. You know, it's the same microphone and camera, not the exact same, but you get what I'm saying. It's the microphone and camera that record some of the most beautiful documentaries that you've ever seen in your life. Uh, they've recorded some of the most meaningful conversations uh, between uh, intellectuals, and uh, it's captured some of the most amazing art and music that you've ever experienced to help you transcend. Uh, but at the same token, the camera and the microphone, um, also when they come out, can keep us from doing that too. You know, my wife, she struggles with uh, anxiety around these sorts of performative things. She doesn't want to be put on the spot. She doesn't want to be recorded. Uh, luckily, she does that with me, and I can get her feeling comfortable enough to do that because she's really great at having conversation. Um, she's just fearful of it, and that's what I mean. These tools can capture great beauty and emotion and transcendence, but can also absolutely make us sink down into the tiniest parts of ourselves and not want to come out. And performance in the same way, I think, can hinder us in ways to then when we do come out, not be our truest self. Um, you know, I, I can hear it whenever I listen to some podcasts, I can listen to people, I can be like, ah, oh, they're not really being true. They're not really being who they really, really are underneath all of that, you know. Or you see it, you know, on the camera, you know, everybody knows bad actors. Well, not everybody, but <laughs> Lindsay, my wife and I are pretty keen to what is bad acting. You know, we're, we're pretty picky <laughs> when it comes to movies and things because we can tell the actors who are familiar and comfortable with the camera, you know, it's like a really great actor is not phased when the camera and the microphone and the lights are pulled out. Actually, it does the opposite. It inspires that actor to take in the character to an even deeper level whenever it's the lights camera action, uh, you know, occurs. And so performance, it's amazing to me how it can capture these amazing things. It can give people like actors and actresses platforms to be able to, you know, communicate things through art and microphones capturing music and people like myself talking to themselves in the living room in the middle of the day on a Tuesday and all sorts of amazing things. But it's all about the balance that we have with performance. It's understanding performance uh, in the right way. And um, it's understanding that we have the ability um, to have a sense of healthy performance in our life that can help other people and help ourselves reach a certain um, potential, if you will, of knowing ourselves, knowing the truth, feeling pain, feeling, um, you know, happiness and joy. It's, it's through performance that the deep emotions and ideas and concepts are cast out into the world. And so I come from just a little bit about me. So 
I have a unique relationship with performance. I've always been a performance-oriented person, and that's honestly kind of weird to say because, you know, we always want to say, ah, we don't want it to seem like somebody's performing, but like we said, a good actor or somebody who's truly enthusiastic about what they truly believe, um, the the facade of, of performance dissipates. It's not any longer there, and that's what makes it good. Uh, but I grew up with this sense of performance. Uh, both my mom and my dad, in a sense, are both performers. Uh, so my dad, he is a pastor. He's a public speaker, communicator, um, and has been ever since I was born. You know, I was born to, into my dad starting a church in Miami, Florida, and then we moved to Indianapolis, where he started another church, where he's still pastoring to this day. And my dad's highest value is Sunday. And I know, like on a church theological, you know, ecclesiological, you know, philosophical level. Some of you may cringe at that, but literally I've grown up with my dad here saying, you know, it's all about the weekend. It's all about the weekend experience. We had church on Saturday and Sunday, uh, the same service or celebration as we affectionately called them, uh, because a service is where you get your oil changed. Uh, when you come to church, you're supposed to celebrate, you know. Uh, so that's why we called them celebrations, and they still do call them celebrations. And my dad would prepare like an insane amount of hours went into his preparation for speaking on the weekend each and every week. And so his the bulk of his week was sprinkled in some meetings, some things that, you know, pastors of large churches have to do, but his primary function and role in his job was preparing uh, and delivering a seamless message um, that was perfectly outlined with three to four bullet points with supporting verses uh, and three real life sort of tactics, things that how God can help you um, you know, live uh, your best life, you know, and the life that God has for you. And so that's uh, basically the environment that I grew up in. Always on Saturdays, my mom and my sister, we would have to leave the house from about 11 to 2 in the afternoon where he would go over his message that he'd been prepping on since Tuesday out loud in our empty house. And he would go over it and he would have a red ink pen. And what he would do in preparation, first he would write a manuscript at the beginning of the week. And he'd go through the manuscript and then he would wordsmith it and he would get it all just right uh, on the computer. And then from the computer, uh, even before the computer, whenever I was really little, it was legal pads. But then he graduated to a computer whenever I was about like, I don't know, maybe nine or 10 years old. And then he would, after he got the manuscript down just right and perfect, then he would get out three by five cards with a red pen because he picked up that red ink sticks in your brain. So he would write his whole message out with three by five cards with a red pen. And I remember a couple times being able to peek in on what he actually did when we left the house. You know, he would shut all the blinds. Hey, the whole house would be dark middle of the day and <laughs> on Saturdays. And he would lay out three by five cards all over the kitchen table. There'd be three by five cards all over the kitchen table and a manila folder that had the program outline that was printed on Thursday because he had his manuscript done by Thursday. So then the only thing he had to do was fine tune that on Friday and then on Saturday to go give the message Saturday evening and Sunday. He'd have Monday off and repeat that process on Tuesday. 
And everything he did was about preparing and performing the sermon. And there's a piece of me that is just so blown away by the discipline that my dad has. And (laughs) it's, you know, funny enough, uh, I guess we can just talk about this now, but so then whenever I got older and I began to be a uh, preacher and pastor myself, um, it was kind of like that story in the Bible. For those of you that are familiar with the Bible in the Old Testament, you might be familiar with the story of David uh, going out into battle. His brothers were off at battle to you know, fight the Philistines. Uh, David was just a young boy, so he was tending back the, the flock and the animals uh, back at the, at the farm, whatever you want to call it. And then, so he decided to run out and he decided that he was going to take down the big giant Goliath, the Philistine and Saul, the King at the time, uh, who later, you know, David would take his place. Uh, but Saul said, if you're going to go out there and fight the giant, then you need to put on this big armor. You need to have the sword. You got to have all this, you know, heavy gear. And David put it on and he's just like, dude, it does not fit. It's too heavy. I can't do anything. And he's like, man, I got a slingshot and I'm going to go out here and take care of business. Um, it was like something like that. Whenever I was first getting started into speaking, you know, my dad was like, here, here's the armor that I use. It's going to fit you. You know, it might be a little big, but you'll grow into it. (laughs) Same thing he said to me whenever I was a teenager and I was like super overweight and he bought me even bigger pants. And I'm like, dad, that's uh, not cool. (laughs) But (laughs) he's like, you'll grow into it. So same thing with this, with speaking. He gave me all of these tools. He gave me all of this armor. He gave me these weapons, if you will. But we all know we're trying to be nonviolent up in here. But nonetheless, for the story, he gave me all of these things that frankly didn't fit for me, but they worked great for him. And I admire that. And I'm sure David admired how Saul was able to fight in battle with the armor that he had. But for David, he could not do it. And for me, I could not do it. I could not perform in the same way he performed. Nonetheless, though, uh, just like how David went out and slayed the giant, he did go out to battle and fight in the way that he could do only in and of himself. The inspiration was still there to rise up as a king-like figure. Um, And so the same thing with me. The inspiration was there to speak and to perform and to give valid uh, effort and time to speaking, but I could not do it in the way that he did it. And finally, I began to find my groove in communicating, but it always was hanging over my head about this idea of performing it in a certain way. And so what I had to do uh, was really just figure out, you know, how I was going to perform in a way that was healthy, because the thing with performance is it can either, like I said, expose uh, some of the the unskilledness you have, or it can absolutely capture the amazing art that you have to give. Uh, you know, like we just, my wife, Lindsay and I just watched a movie on Saturday night. I've been meaning to watch this movie for years. It's a movie called her. And, uh, you know, the guy, he falls in love with an OS, you know, operating system. But in that movie, just the way he acted his part just brought me to a deep sense of like wanting to love and, you know, 
be affectionate with my wife and on all these things. And the point is, is that good art, good performance brings us to that place where it inspires us to take on a piece of whatever that actor is doing, speaker is doing, musician is doing it. It stirs us to be in our own uniqueness into that. And so uh, performance for me, though, has also not only inspired me to want to figure out ways to do that, it's inspired me to want to use skills and things like that to inspire people to live in a particular way or it used to be think a particular way. I was very, I was a Calvinist, man. <laughs> I wanted people to be super reformed for a little while, which I regret. And you can still find those messages online. I won't tell you where you can find them, <laughs> but I've always been inspired by performing to uh, motivate or inspire uh, or evoke emotion and action in people. But that same thing has actually been a major point of um, difficulty for me. Um, because it stunts me from wanting to do things. And especially after you find a groove, after you find a way of performing, it's really hard to break free from the way that you've done it. Um, so even like my dad, like he, he has his way to this day on Tuesday, today's Tuesday that I'm recording this to this day, my dad is at home writing his manuscript. I guarantee you at this moment, he's finishing up his manuscript for the day. And something that people have brought to my dad over the years is that he's too polished, that he's so refined that every single word is accounted for. He memorizes word for word, his message every single week. It's amazing. Like it's it's unfathomable for, for me to be able to even think about doing something like that. I tried Saul's armor on. I tried to do it like that. I tried to memorize it word for word. I tried to do the three by five with red ink. I tried to write the manuscript. I just could not do that. So much props to my dad for being able to do that. But the problem is now some of the critique that is coming back over the years has been as we've moved more into an age of authenticity as we've moved into more vulnerability, as we've kind of, we give more value to people who we might think are just kind of winging it. Maybe they're not winging it. Um, but we think that they are because they give that impression that they're just deeply in that character, like an actor, you know, or somebody like that. We just, they, they're memorizing lines. They're memorizing their parts of the character, but you think that it's just naturally part of them. Um, but my dad has this very, very polished thing. So as people brought that up as kind of like an accusation, um, he's to my point that I was just making is he's so entrenched in his way of doing it that I don't know that he could do it any other way and feel comfortable. Uh, I don't know that, that he would be able to perform in any other way that he's performing. And that's what happens to us. We get stuck in the rut of how we perform, of how we present ourselves, of how we try to do our art or do our, our whatever it is it may be that's adding to the expansion and beauty of this world. Whatever it is, we get stuck in the rut of that is how we've always done it. And so what I want to try to do is to branch out of that. But the problem is, for me, the looming weight of performance is there. And it crushes me, and it prohibits me, and it limits me from the things that I really want to do. So like, for instance, 
doing podcasts, uh, like how I'm doing right now. Um, you know, recording YouTube videos, all of these things have been so daunting to me. If I can just be honest with you for a minute, it's been so daunting because it's not the way I'm used to performing. I'm used to performing in front of a live audience on a stage, you know, um, that's like more sermon style teaching. And once again, I've not even done that for about three years. So that feels even rusty to even think about. But the point is, I sometimes don't produce the content with Spiritual Nomad that I want to produce simply because it's a new way of performance that I'm unfamiliar with. Um, and I get fearful and scared that I can't do it as well that I can do other things. And therefore, I end up being apathetic and doing absolutely nothing. And that's sad. Like, that's really sad to me as I reflect on that right now. That, like, for months and years, I've not done things simply because it just feels like it's hard work or it's foreign or I'm not used to that or whatever it might be. And so the very medium and mode that I used to love to live for this, you know, like teaching, you know, weekly with youth students and then pretty frequently, you know, preaching uh, on stage to adults, if you will. Um, But like, it's unique being in this place now of like, okay, how do I perform in a way that's truly authentic? That isn't me being anxious to not come out of that tiny place? Like, you know, like how do I live in, not into my tiny self, but into my true, big, authentic self in a way that is honest, in a way that communicates what I want to communicate, that is definitely a performance that evokes something in you, my listener, that that captivates you, that wants to actually listen to the words that I'm saying because it does something deep in your bones and inspires you to now rise to whatever it is that's in you from the divine? Like, how do I now perform in a way that does that effectively through new and innovative ways? Because I'll tell you what I don't want, and this is in no way a knock to my father in any way, but I do I do not want to be the guy who believes that I have done it right in the past, that there is only that way that I've found the best performing way to do it. Therefore, I cannot now adapt and mold to um, new ways and mediums of expression um, in my life and in my endeavors and in all of these things. Um, How do I truly perform in a way that is true to myself on these new mediums. And so for you, I'm not sure what that means for you. I'm, I'm sure in different ways and in different times, especially if you're an artist or a creative, you're having to always adapt and flow. And luckily that's a good thing about us who are creatives is that we are able to do that a lot easier, a lot more simply, but also too, we're our own worst critics. We think that if it's not going to be perfect, that we're not going to produce it. We think that if it can't actually accomplish it, um, whatever it may be that we're just going to keep it in the closet and keep it away from everyone else. Because if it didn't accomplish something inside of me, how could it accomplish something inside of anyone else? And even as I record this episode, I think, should I even post this? Because I'm not sure that 
it really is accomplishing the point that I wanted to make about performance. Um, but I'm going to post it anyway, and I'm hoping that you're listening to this right now and it's meaning something to you. And if it's not, um, that's totally fine. Uh, cause what I realize with performance is it has to be something that if we're going to be innovative with our performance, I mean, imagine if people were still acting and recording in movies like they did back in the fifties, you'd be like, this is the most cheesiest stuff ever. And I don't want to go pay $18 at a movie theater to see it. Right. It has to advance and progress and evolve. And just like with everything, with our theology, with our life, with our opinions, with our political stances, whatever, we're always fluid and being innovative. And if our performance is going to follow that as well, you know, I think we need to actually just produce the stuff and our fear of if it's going to accomplish what we want it to accomplish, um, prevents us from even putting it out there to see and test the waters if it is doing that or not. And luckily all of you beautiful people, uh, in the spiritual nomad community that is really taken primarily shape on Instagram uh, it's been so encouraging to see that the things that are meaningful to me are meaningful to you and that help you too. And, you know, I post a lot of quotes and then I do sometimes just a sentence or two, or sometimes I write a, a super mini little blog post, you know, under it of just how it's affected me in some way or another. Uh, but I, I really do spend a lot of time seeking quotes out and, uh, not just seeking quotes out, but things that I've just gathered and whatever. And it's like, Oh, like it's been amazing to see how you've all resonated with that too. And, um, that's a a version of performance, you know, and, and there's something that's evoking there and it's only by the act of doing it that we're able to see the resonation of how it is with the people that we are connecting with. And so this episode is really just about, having a healthy view of performance, um, not something that we feel like is faux, not something that is fake, not something that's projected or a false self or anything, but rather how does performance help elevate and how does performance help broadcast the truest, deepest things of ourself and what we find to be true in the world about the divine, about the art and emotion and um, ecstasy that comes from doing things like this, you know, how does it then evoke some sort of ecstasy within another to be able to rise the tide of whatever it is that we're trying to rise the tide of, you know, spiritual sector, creative, um, even the business, um, you know, engineering sector, I'm not sure, but knowing that performance can be our friend. And knowing that it is a big task, it is like a Goliath, it is like a giant. Um, but if we are going to do it, we got to use our own slingshot, we got to do our own thing, we can't wear anyone else's armor. And we have to know that if we uh, are going to do this, we have to actually be our deepest, truest self and give it all we got um, over and over and over and over. And that's how performance turns into be something that doesn't become a negative term. Oh, they're just performing. Oh, they're just got a face on. Oh, they just got a facade. Rather, your performance that's deeply true and aligned with your value system now becomes a thing that people then say, it was because of this person 
this piece of art, this podcast, that I decided to rise to this thing that's in me and do that. And performance has the ability to do that in our life. So it's not something to be feared. I mean, if it is going to be fake, then it should be feared and you shouldn't do it. But performance should be an opportunity for a platform for amazing beauty uh, in that good relationship with it. It should be adaptable. It should be innovative. It should be fearless to be able to be adaptable and innovative to communicate the deep truths that we have about ourselves and the world. So friends, thank you so much for joining me. Um, and I promise that more episodes are going to be coming. Uh, I have a personal thing that I am doing, um, in the town here, it's a startup that I'm doing with a partner more to come on that. Uh, but that's been taking uh, like so much of my time. So I'm trying to do like a startup and a business plan and raise funds and do all these things all while working a, you know, full-time sales insurance job and being a dad and husband and, I uh, got a couple other freelance projects going on too. So a <laughs> whole lot of stuff going on. But nonetheless, this is what I'm passionate about. This is the tide that I want to rise up. And that's you are loved and accepted and that you should have an ability to whatever it is in your medium and mode and function to share that with others so that they feel liberated as well. So hopefully you feel liberated and inspired. Um, I have received that. So now I need to give that. Uh, and I hope I've given some of that to you. So thank you, friends. Uh, join me on Instagram, the underscore spiritual underscore nomad, the spiritual nomad. And um, I'm excited to continue this journey with you all.